All right. We took a break last week. We looked at a video, and uh, it was at that time of the month to do that. And so we're going to get back into our series of lessons talking about uh, faith and uh, titled, you know, as the PowerPoint indicates, your faith depends upon you. And a lot of people, I don't know if they really have, you know, come to grips with that very much in their life. They want faith. They want it to happen to them. They want to have strong faith, but they don't really stop and realize, well, wait a minute, that, that depends on me. I've got to apply myself. I've got to put myself into developing and growing and being strong and maintaining strength in my faith. So we come back to our series and just a couple of slides to, for a quick review. I've asked the, the question to begin with, how important is faith in your life? Now, I think, again, a whole lot of people, they would, might be a little bit bumfuzzled when you ask them that question. Now, they might instinctively say, oh, it's really important, but they don't really have much faith. Now, and I say that, they might say, well, I do have faith. I've got strong faith, but it's kind of a surface level faith. It's not really a faith that's put into action. They don't live their faith. They don't really think about godliness, and they don't really think about their dedication to God and, their, and living obediently to his teachings. They just kind of go through life and, and do what they want to do and whatever comes easy, perhaps. Well, without faith, we cannot be saved. We talked about that in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Faith in God is absolutely essential. The Hebrews writer said so. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who would come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 24, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So our faith must be absolute in God as our creator and in Jesus as our Savior. And Jesus told the apostles when he ascended back to heaven, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe, he who does not believe will be condemned. And so there, succinctly put, we must have faith if we want to be, if we want to have eternal life in heaven. Well, let's look a little bit further. As we emphasized previously, the initial development and growth of your faith, and as I've indicated just a few moments ago, that depends on you. It depends on your studying and believing and correctly applying God's word to your life because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So you have to, each one of us, and I'm saying you, I'm using that in the general sense, it includes me. If I want to have faith, I've got to develop that faith within my life. God's not going to zap you with faith. He's not going to make you all of a sudden have faith. Somebody might say, I got faith the other day. Well, explain that to me. How did it happen? Now, they might talk about some kind of experience, but that's not how faith comes. Faith comes by getting into God's word and doing some degree of reading and understanding and then making the proper application to your life or at least seeking how can I make the proper application to my life? How should I? That's how faith develops. 
Again, Romans 10 and verse 17. Romans 10, beginning with verse 13, the, more meet, the, the, the fuller context, uh, Paul says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here is a logical, progressive, uh, you know, steps going down to demonstrate what is summed up in, in the last verse there, verse 17. So whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach with a, a, or a teacher, either one? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. And that's a foreign concept for a lot of people. A lot of times it's just out of ignorance. They don't even know what the gospel is. And I'm not being mean spirited there. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being truthful. You ask a whole lot of people who would say that they're Christians, tell me what the gospel is. They'd be stumped. And yet it is central to Christianity. It is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. So they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God gave us this book for a reason, for a reason. And bottom line, fundamental reason is so that we can have faith in him and in his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, then let's, let's move on. So first, the development of my faith begins on me or, or, or begins with me and depends upon me studying God's word sufficient that I can develop faith. Second, what we want to look at this evening is strengthening and maintaining strong faith also depends upon you, depends upon me. I, again, it's, it's a process that I have to put myself into on a consistent basis. It's not going to happen on its own. It depends upon me getting into God's word. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, when many of those Jews gathered there on Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus ascended back to heaven, listened to the gospel message of Jesus Christ being preached and they came to the point where many of them asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, verse 37, what shall we do? And Peter told them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then verse 41 says about 3,000 obeyed the gospel that day. They were baptized into Christ and that was the beginning for them. And then in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. If we do not put our faith into action, if we do not begin to live, live that faith, I started to say live by that faith, but, and, and that would be correct, but let me, let me make it even more succinct. If we do not live that faith consistently, it's not going to be strong. It's not going to be strong. It's not going to be what we need it to be for each one of us individually. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which simply means teaching, and fellowship, being together as Christians in the breaking of bread, and that's talking about partaking of the Lord's Supper, 
consistently and regularly and in prayers. Their faith became not just a part of their life, their faith became their life. And that's what faith must, must be for us. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to look at a, at a rebuke that the Hebrews writer laid out for some Christians who had not grown in their faith, had not become as strong in their faith as they should have by that particular point in their Christian life. Beginning with verse 12, he writes, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk and not solid food. Now, what are the first principles of the oracles of God? We're not going to go into the sixth chapter there, but he pretty much lays that out. Just the basic fundamentals of Christianity, that I must be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. That's basic. And and the Hebrews writer says, you need to have grown beyond having to learn that those basic fundamentals, you should have been deeper in your knowledge of God's word by this time, and you should have been strong enough in your faith that you could teach others so that they could develop faith. So everyone who partakes only of milk, and he's making the comparison there, you're still just baby Christians is what he's saying. And nobody ought to be satisfied with remaining a baby Christian for the rest of their lives. We need to grow up in Christ, the Apostle Paul writes. But so he says, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And and somebody would quickly make the application. He's, He's using a physical comparison to get across a spiritual lesson. We know a baby is born into the world. We've had a number of babies born here in the congregation over the last year or so. Now, the parents of those babies, they don't want the baby to still always have to be given just milk. They expect that baby to mature in his digestive system and get to the point where he's going to eat or she's going to eat solid food. And it's going to become more and more complex diet as the weeks and months and then the years go on. If If the child can only tolerate milk, they're going to be taking trips to the doctor and and finding out what's wrong, not developing as the child should. Well, uh, the, the Hebrews writer here is trying to get across to these Christians, you're like babies, you're still on milk, and you need to be on solid food by this time, and in fact, you should be on such solid food that you could be teaching others the gospel, teaching others how to grow in their faith, develop their faith, and grow stronger in their faith. Solid food belongs to those who are full age, he says. In other words, who have come to maturity spiritually. That is, but those who by reason of use have their senses, their spiritual senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do we know when somebody is teaching error? We need to know when somebody is teaching error. How do we know when somebody is teaching error? because we know the truth. When we know the truth, we can recognize anything, any teaching that contradicts that truth. I've said a number of times, I uh, appreciated 
I did not know this, but, but Mark one time years ago, I don't know if he even remembers when he brought this out in a lesson. And he talked about because they deal with money handling machines. In fact, I think that's the name of the company, isn't it? Money handling machines. Anyway, he was talking about, he was asking the question, how, how does a particular money uh, 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 or machine, how is it able to detect a counterfeit bill that is slipped into the slot or that is run through a counter? I did not recognize, I did not understand this, but it made absolute sense. And he said that you can't program those machines to catch every counterfeit bill, every new counterfeit bill, because you would, how would you do that? You'd have to be reprogramming it every day or every week or so because there are always new counterfeit bills being pushed. But he said it's simply programmed to recognize only the correct bill, only the true valid currency. It can read that and anything that does not conform to that, it rejects because that is, that is counterfeit. How do we recognize error when it is being taught? We know the truth, and anything that contradicts the truth is error. That's error. Well, we got to know the truth to, then to be able to recognize the error. We need to know the truth. We have to be in the Word. And that's what the Hebrews writer is talking about here to a great extent. Well, we go a little bit further. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. There are four times in the New Testament gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, all of these are, are found in Matthew. I don't think any of them are found in John. But the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll probably find some parallels in there. But all of these that I'm going to, the, the references I'm going to lay out, they're all in the, in the book of Matthew. Four times, Jesus, he rebukes one or more of the apostles because he says, you're weak in faith. So in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30, and this is actually during the Sermon on the Mount, so he's talking to the people there, the big crowd, the multitude, not just the apostles or not just one apostle. And so there in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about the necessities of life and how God will take care of those who are faithfully following him and so he says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We're more important than the grass of the field. And so if God blesses the growth process for the grass of the field, flowers, trees, and so on, he says, don't you think God going to care more about you. He's going to take care of you more, focus more on you than the grass of the field. Oh, you of little faith. Sometimes we get all caught up in, this, in the physical necessities of life and we're thinking, you know, what will I do? You know, what can I do? I can trust God. I can still do everything I have the ability to do, but I can trust God also and I can call upon him. And then we look at Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26. He said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He was in a boat with the apostles. They were going across the sea. Wind came up. 
he, have, he was asleep somewhere in the boat. And the boat was in danger of sinking because the wind was, was tossing the waves over the top of the boat and into the boat itself. And so they woke him up and said, you know, we're, we're, we're going to sink, we're going to die, we're going to perish. And he said, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? I'm with you. And then he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And they were amazed. Who is this that he could command even the wind and the sea, and it will obey his voice? And then we go a little bit further. Matthew 14 and verse 31. Jesus was walking across the water at night toward another boat that the apostles were in, and there was a storm then as well. And they saw him coming. They did not recognize him at first as being the Lord. But he said, you know, don't fear, it's me. Peter said, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And he said, come. Peter stepped out of the boat. He started walking across the surface of the water toward Jesus. And then he got distracted by the storm. Instead of keeping his eyes on his Lord, he was looking at what was going on around him and he began to sink into the water. And so Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? As long as you kept your, fo your focus on me, as long as you kept your faith strong in me to deliver you, you were fine. But you took your eyes off of me and you got all caught up in the storm around you and you began to sink. Oh, you of little faith. And then in chapter 16 and verse 8, Jesus being aware of it, this was an occasion when, when he was trying to teach a lesson on the leaven of the Pharisees. And the apostles were wondering, they were thinking physical again, and he was teaching a spiritual lesson. And they were wondering, uh, is he talking about because we brought no food? And he says, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? And the point being, I'm with you. If you read the text further, he, ta he reminds them about the feeding of the 5,000, about the feeding of the 4,000. And here, they were just talking about, you know, the 13 of them, counting him and the 12 apostles. He said, oh, you have little faith. Why are you reasoning like that? I'm here with you. Well, so those four times, those four instances, he, he rebukes, First, people in general in the Sermon on the Mount, then he rebukes one or more of the apostles on three different occasions. We need to always be striving to grow in our faith. Always be focused on staying strong and growing stronger in our faith. You know, the old saying, you're either moving forward or you're stagnant, and that's probably going to result in you regressing and going backward. It's difficult to just stay stagnant and staying stagnant from a spiritual perspective, stay strong in the faith. You're probably, if you're not, if you're not growing in faith, you're probably weakening in faith. And some people will say, no, I'm going to stay strong. I'm just going to stop doing such and such. I'm not going to go to church anymore. You're going to get weaker in your faith, almost certainly, hands down. 
So we need to always be striving to grow in our faith. Ephesians chapter four, beginning with verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Remember what the Hebrews writer said. The apostle Paul uses this kind of language a number of times as well tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine or all kinds of teaching that comes along, whatever is the, the new teaching of the day, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful prodding, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. We need to always be growing up in our faith, becoming stronger, becoming more mature in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, then we naturally grow in our Christian character as well. As Peter put it in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, notice this, add to your faith, and then look at all of these, these examples of Christian character. Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boiled down, if your faith grows in these ways, these, these Christian characteristics you're going to be stronger in your faith and, and you're, you're going to be fruitful in your Christian life, serving God and serving your Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. As we continue to grow in our knowledge of God's word, and so here's another natural development, as we continue to grow in our knowledge of God's word, we're going to continue to grow in our faith. And so here we see our faith will naturally grow as we continue to grow in our knowledge of God's word. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, that's why Paul said, study or be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or correctly handling and correctly applying the word of truth, which is God's word. We move to chapter three and verses 15 through 17. He reminds Timothy that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and he starts to talk about the characteristics of, of the scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God's very word. And it is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, complete, mature, spiritually, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as we continue to grow in our knowledge of God's word, we get past the baby Christian stage and we grow in our faith. And as we continue to grow in our faith, then we automatically as well grow in our Christian character. So we need to understand all of that depends on you, depends upon me individually and personally. Standing firm, in, uh, standing firm by faith in the face of trials and temptations also strengthens our faith. We learn, I can, with God's help, I can 
face these, tri these trials, these temptations, these challenges that the devil and that life throw at me. I can, I can get through them because God says, I'll be there with you. Remember Jesus said when he told the apostles to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age of the world. Amen. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. God has said, I'll be with you. I'll not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. I'll make sure that you have a way of escape, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. And so standing firm by faith in the face of trials and temptations and challenges, that strengthens our faith too because we learn God will see me through. Well, 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Romans 10 and verse 17, again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And hearing by the word of God. We look at it a little bit further. Again, consistently standing firm in our faith. In the face of trials and temptations and challenges of life, it's going to help us be stronger in our faith. James 1 in verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. We can't run away from temptation. The devil's going to throw it at us. So blessed is the man who endures temptation and, and the understanding there without succumbing to it. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by, the ver by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is more valuable than gold, more valuable than money, more valuable than all the material, all, all the material uh, products and, and possessions of this world. He goes on and says, he, he goes on and says, though it be tested by fire, it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen physically with our physical eyeballs, you love. Though, you, though now you do not see him, yet believing, and there's faith, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, the salvation of your souls. How important that is and how precious will be those words from our Lord and Savior in the final day of judgment, enter into the joys of the Lord. Wow. We stand by faith. So our faith needs to be strong so that we can stand firm in our faithfulness and dedication. Look at these verses of scripture, one after another. Romans 1 and verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If we want to be right with God, if we want to be in, in, with him in heaven for all of eternity, we must live by faith in him. And that's an active lifestyle, active faith. 
Romans 11 and verse 20, well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. And 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 24, not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. And then verse, chapter 5 and verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Here's an important point that all of us, that everybody needs to understand and really stop and think about it and contemplate and then make the proper applications to their lives. Sometimes, sometimes our faith is all we have that keeps us going. Sometimes we get to a point in life and I'm not talking about somebody who's 95 years old. I'm talking about every single one of us and can come at different stages in our life. We get to a point where whatever the situation is, and they they can be varied situations, we've done everything we can do. We don't know how to fix it. And our faith is all that keeps us going because we know that God can see us through and will see us through. Strong faith is evidenced through faithful obedience and dedication and good works. James, James wrote in James chapter 2, beginning with verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And James says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In verse 20, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Speaking of Abraham. And then verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Also. As Christians, the Apostle Paul says, we are created for good works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now again, every one of us either already has been and maybe a number of times, or we will be somewhere along in our life, faced with something, some situation in life that we won't be able to fix on our own. And our faith will be all that'll keep us going if we have that faith, if our faith is that strong, if we have developed and maintained strong faith. Never, never, ever give up on your faith. Second, Second Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight. The apostle Paul in prison again in Rome, and this time he expects from the tone of his letter to be executed. And yet he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And in a nutshell, that is what Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. How's your faith right now? How's your faith? It's up to you. Your faith depends on you. Do you need the prayers of the church? We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you just let us know. Do you need to study God's word to grow in faith? Maybe with a particular focus in your study. We'll help you with that if you'll ask us. Has your faith led you to the point where you're saying, I'm ready to give it my all to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. We'd love to help you with that this evening. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing.